Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Stephen Campbell. Welcome Hi. to Savvy Broadcasting Life Unscripted. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank today. you, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm so, so, so appreciate you. Uh, we had a little bit of a techie um, misunderstanding, but I'm so grateful you stuck in there for me uh, so we could have you out here today to share your great wisdom with our audience. Um, it's interesting, Christina. I have a master's in techie, and people ask me what you learned, and I say to them, I've learned how little I know. And <laughs> it's the text is just too exploding too quickly, so you I just know. can't keep up. Yeah, can't do that. Every day is a different story. Every day, yeah. Yeah. But you've written a wonderful, uh, more than one, but you're on your third book, Making Your Mark. Actually, I'm on my fourth. I've written my fourth. That's on your fourth. Oh, my God. Actually, I've written my fourth. I've placed been published, so, yeah. But my third is my, well, my fourth is my favorite in one way, and my third is my second favorite in another way. Why why is the fourth your favorite? I'm sure. Well, my fourth one is a Christian book. Oh, wow. And my third one is based on psychology and it's based on around 30 years of studying psychology and teaching it in various universities. And I developed a message which I taught to beginning students at one university and the president noticed that when students took my class with this message, they wouldn't drop out. So during the years that I taught that class, the retention like went up to something like 93%, something outlandishly, outlandishly high because of the message that the students left when they took the course. And what's so nice about it is the message is so very easy. And so I'm so glad that we have kind of a short time here because then I can get right down to what the message is and how it can change how you say your, how you see yourself. Well, so, I love that. Let's just yeah. go for it. Yeah, sure let's just go message. on. Yeah, let's just do it. Okay. Well, I think the most three exciting discoveries that cognitive psychology has discovered, and it began really in the 1950s to 60s, yeah. was explained in the book called A Guide to Rational Living by Dr. Albert Ellis and Robert Sherman. What he suggested, and we now know is true through the evidence of hundreds of studies all over the world Mm -hmm. is that our brain believes what we tell it without question, no arguments. So when you say this is really hard, the brain says, okay, yeah, you're right. It really is. And then looks for ways of making it hard. That's the scary part. Mm -hmm. The wonderful part is when you say this is really easy, the brain says, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. And then it becomes obsessed with finding ways to make it easy. That's his job. Now, the next question that's logical is, well, what if what you are saying is not true? And the wonderful book on that is uh, Phantoms in the Brain by Dr. Rias Ramachandran out of UC San Diego. That shows, indicates, that our brain doesn't ever ask that question. The brain doesn't care whether it's true or not. Phantoms refer to phantom limbs that have been amputated. And the patient might go into a doctor's office. He'll say, you got to help me. I can't do a thing with my arm. The doctor may say, well, that could be because I cut off an arm six months ago. Mm-hmm. And the patient says, you didn't tell my brain that. <laughs> yeah. My brain still thinks it's there. My brain wants to pick because I'll put it into all these other things. So the brain doesn't care whether what you're saying is true or not. So here's the most exciting part. 
everything you can do today, maybe we should use the word we, Mm -hmm. everything that we can do today is primarily based on what we say to ourselves about ourselves today. Mm. Did you hear that? I'm emphasizing the word today. Mm. What does that mean? That means that our self-talk determines how we see yourself and what we can do. People used to, and, and when, when Dr. Ellis suggested this, psychology had an absolute conniption fit. They said, no, 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 no. The way you are today is based on your childhood. Unresolved childhood conflicts, that was Freudianism. That was followed by behaviorism. Dr. B.F. Skinner, Harvard University, says, no, it's all cause and effect. That was followed by groups saying it's all in your genes, which is obviously wrong because we're more in our genes. Another group said it's all in your environment, your birth or your mom and dad. And Dr. Ellis came back and said, you know what, they're all true. So let me share with you a story that illustrates the point, because stories make it real. For the first 42 years of my life, I was absolutely convinced that I was really stupid in math. I'm going to to the details that's in my book. And so when I saw numbers, I would freak out. But I discovered computers in the 70s. So I began tinkering around and eventually went back to college and got a master's in computer technology. And I began teaching various courses in computers at universities. And one day, the dean came to my office. He said, one of our math professors just quit. So you're a new math professor. You're like, what? (laughs) What? I said, you don't understand. I can't can't do this. He said, you want a job? Learn. There's a book next semester. Well, I needed the job, Christina. So I ran down to the Rhone Park Library, and I picked up all the books that could on brain-based learning, how the brain learns and all this. And that's how this whole thing started. And I taught my curriculum based on how the brain learns. And students began saying, oh, my gosh, you're such a good math teacher. You really are. And then the dean said, you know what? Students saying, I will only take math or Prince Campbell's by my professor. And here's what happened. I began listening to what those students were saying to me rather than what I had been saying to myself for 42 years. And my brain said, okay. Was it true? Don't care. All I care is what you tell me. But you say it, I believe it, and then you lock on to it. My job is to make it true. And the more I taught math, the more I realized this is really fun. Algebra and calculus, they're just puzzles. They're just puzzles that you can sort of figure out. And I eventually ended up writing two college textbooks. And those first two books that I wrote were college textbooks and computer software and math. So here's the point, and this is what I share with with your listeners. If everything we can do today is primarily based on what we say to ourselves about ourselves today, we can replace what we are saying to ourselves about ourselves when? Right now. And our brain says, okay. Now notice I didn't say use the word change. I used the word replace. The reason is because the brain does not like to change. The brain hates change. The brain's job is to keep you safe, to keep you in your comfort zone. So the brain says, no, don't ask me to change. But the brain loves to create. It loves to create new things. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we create new things, and then the brain locks onto that. So what are those new things? Those new things are our Mm self-images. Notice I said self-images. I didn't say self-image. I said self-images. I'm a first-year baby boomer, born in 1947. I was taught you have a self-image. You have a self-image. You have to mature and flourish and all this sort of stuff. It turns out that's only partially correct. I have 
thousands of self-images. You do too. You have a self-image for every single thing that you do. You have a self-image of how you see yourself as a radio host, as a wife, um, as a tennis player, as a coach. You have a self-image for everything. I have a self-image for every meal that I cook. Hmm. So I have really good, I have a really high self-image for my scrambled eggs. Today's <laughs> a lot of butter. I have a really low one for my poached. My poached are horrible. They're just they're runny and yucky and stuff. You can probably sense I have a very high self-image for my scrambled and a low one for my poached. What's the point, Steve? The point is this. If I have a self-image for every meal that I cook, you can imagine how many self-images I have that have been developed over the last 73 years of living. Mm. Now, let's talk about the self-images. They are learned. You weren't born with them. You were born with certain natural dispositions. I was born a natural teacher. I have always been a teacher. When I was a kid, I used to put rocks in my backyard, pretended I was teaching them. Okay? I was a weird kid. Okay? <laughs> you were born a natural host, a natural. You have just certain things that you just love doing, whether you're paid for it or not. Okay? So we have these natural, but our self-images are learned. And you know what they're based on, Christina? Mm-mm. They're based on our self-talk. Wow. They're based on what we are saying to ourselves about ourselves right now. Okay? Now, here's some exciting stuff. Number one, they're hardwired into your brain. Our brain neuro, it rewires itself all the time. It's called neuroplasticity, okay? They're hardwired, which means, number one, you can't get rid of them. You cannot remove your self-images. Can't be done. Number two, they're really, 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 really hard to change. They're really hard to change. And that's why people go to seminars and weekends trying to change your self-images. They're really hard to change. But number three, you can replace them. You can replace them by changing what you're saying to yourself about yourself and your brain says, okay. So when I began saying, you know what? Math is really fun. I can do this. This is really a kick. I'm really having a good time. My brain said, oh, okay. And then I locked on to that. And the brain said, okay, I need to rewire you because right now you're saying your math is great. I need to rewire yourself. And there you go. Now, there is still a self-image in my mind of being really stupid in math. It's still there because I've never had lobotomy. Okay? So it's still there. Mm. But I haven't seen it for 20 years. And every single time I sit down to do a math problem, it just gets more and more fun. Okay? So number one, here we go. The brain believes what you tell it. Number two, everything you can do today is primarily based on what you're saying to yourself about yourself today, and you can replace what you're saying. Here's number three. Hang on to your seat. Our feelings, and this is from Guide to Rational Living by Dr. Albert Ellis. Our feelings do not come primarily do not come primarily from how we were raised or events in our lives. Our feelings don't come from COVID. Our feelings don't come from being isolated. They don't come from failures and successes. Do you know where they come from, Christina? Mm-mm. Hang on to your seat. They come from your beliefs about how you were raised. Interesting. And your beliefs about COVID and isolation 
and events in your lives. Now, people say to me, well, Steve, I'm really kind of fuzzy on what I believe. There's a wonderful handle. Uh The handle is your self-talk. Do you want to know what you're believing? Listen to yourself. Talk to yourself about yourself. That's what you're believing. So can I get uh, clear right here? So basically, I'm getting the key to all of this is really getting clear on your self-talk. That's right. Because That's right. if you start to really know what you're talking, and what's some of the best ways to do that? Journaling? Well, the best of the ways is, is journaling, but just being aware of what you're saying when you do something really, really well and you do something really, really poorly. So let's, let's look at those two instances. And this is sort of an application you can use. When we do something really well and someone says, good job, we often say, oh, no, not really. Oh, that's embarrassing. That's egotistical. I could have done a better job. Thank you very much. And those applications fall to the floor, those, compliment, those, those compliments. So here's your new way of thinking. When someone says, good job, you look at them and you smile. And you say, you know what? That makes me feel really good. Thank you for taking the time to share that with me. And when you do, what does your brain say? Oh, okay. You're absolutely right. And your brain says it too. And you keep locking on to that. And pretty soon you begin feeling good about yourself. Is it automatic? No. It's something you have to be aware of. And we're so aware of no, 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 no. And what I tell people at the very end of almost every presentation I make is, you know what? Thank them. And then I tell them, wallow in your success like a pig in slop. (laughs) wallow in it we don't have to wait to tell us for other people to tell us how amazing we are so that's what happens when you do something really well what about when you mess up when you mess up what happens is we often say oh my goodness how could i have been so stupid and unfortunately when you say that my brain picks up and says oh i know remember that dumb thing you did yesterday And the dumb thing you did a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, and we almost get out this list. And we start going down the list of all the dumb things we've ever done. Now, this is really important to understand. When you do that, your brain doesn't know that those memories happened a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. The brain's recording those memories again. But then, as if they happen right now, and then you're carrying that stuff around. That's why, Christina, most of what we say to ourselves via Chad Helmstetter is what we say when we talk to ourselves is negative crap. Hmm. Most of us do that unless we're taught not to because we just do. We're raised that way, and until we're aware of it, that's what we do. So here's your new way of thinking. When you mess up, first of all, you throw away the list, okay? Don't need it. And then use three wonderful words. You know what the words are? Replace. The next time. The next time I'll do it this way or that way. When you say the next time, you're saying three things. Number one, you're saying there is a next time. How many next times do we get, Christina? As many as we want. Yep. Isn't that wonderful? Endless. Endless. It gives you chills. Number two, when you say the next time, you're saying I'll never, ever give up. Ever. Ever. And the best for last. Number three, when you say the next time, what you're really saying is, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm still changing, which means I'm still making mistakes. 
But just because I fail doesn't mean I'm a failure. Mm -mm. Thomas Edison was asked by a New York reporter how it felt to fail 999 times when he was looking for the filament of a light bulb. He said, I did not fail 999 times. I simply found 999 ways it didn't work. Exactly. That's what we're doing, Christina. Mm -hmm. We're looking for things that don't work so we can find things that do. Hmm. So how do we apply this to COVID? Here we go. Our feelings are not coming from COVID. They're coming from what we're saying about COVID. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is replace the things that we're saying. So what have I replaced? I used to make my money by traveling long distances in the Bay Area and sell books. I don't have to travel anymore. It's wonderful. I get to stay home. I'm not dealing with a commute. I get to enjoy my grandchildren and my dog and my wife and all these wonderful things. So we're looking at COVID as, yes, it's a challenge. And yes, it demands a new way of thinking. But it's kind of sort of really exciting because things are changing. Yeah. And that's exciting to know. I remember, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it is. It's exciting. Yeah. And just it's a reframe to say, okay, you can look at this as a negative thing, but there's so many positives. Like, oh, yeah. To spend oh, time yeah. With your family, the less stress of not going through traffic for an hour back and forth. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's just, I mean, you can go down the list of just Google positive things about COVID and you'll get gobs of hits about it. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, um, how this really works with the self-images. I was teaching math and a student came to my office after the first day of class. She said, Ms. Campbell, I'm really glad you're my professor because I'm a C student in math. I said, what do you mean? She said, I have never got any same math test on a C student. I said, well, I used to be like you. So I worked with her. She got an A in the first midterm and I gave her the test and she absolutely freaked out. She said, <gasps> and then she said, Oh, Mr. Campbell, this is a mistake. I said, what do you mean, Sue? She said, I have never gotten above a C in a math test. You must have made a mistake. And I said, I didn't, Sue. This is a genuine A. So then she looked at it longer, and then her face just lit up like a, like a balloon. And she said, do you know what this means? And, of course, now I'm getting started. So I sit down next to her, and I said, yes, I, but you tell me, Sue, what's this mean? This means, Mr. Campbell, that when I flunk my next test, I can still maintain my C. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, Sue, just get an A in every test. She said, oh, I can't. Why? Because I'm a C student. Mm. And that's exactly what happens. She flunked the next test. She got a C in the course. So I sat down with her. I said, Sue, answer me this. What would have happened if you had flunked this first test? Do you know what she said? She said, easy. I would have studied like crazy to get an A in the next test. I'd say get an A in every test. She said, I can't. Why? I'm a C student. I've always been this way. This is the way I was raised. This is what I look like. Here's where I fail. Here's where I'm stuck. Or, 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 and I'll finish with this. Do you know when your old life ended, Christina? One second ago. Mm-hmm. When did your new life begin then? Now. One second ago. Now do the math, 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour, 24 hours per day in one 24-hour period. 
you have 86,400 new opportunities for a new life every single day. Wow. All you have to do is take them. I love that. Stephen, that is just so brilliant. And, you know, it's interesting. There's a sales master that I took his course a long time ago. And he had said when he was learning sales, his instructor, the one teaching him, the master sales guru at that time, kept telling him, you know, sales is really easy. And it's easier to make $50,000 in a month than in a year. And he said, yeah, in his mind, the guy who's being trained is like, yeah, for you it is, not for, for me. For you it is, yeah. Yeah. And he said, but, and he, and he kept telling him, his instructor, no, you don't understand. It's easier. And and, he, and then he, what, I don't know what it is. He said like a year or two, it just hit him like, you know what? I'm choosing for this to that's be right. hard. Like, that's you, that's why they call this cognitive psychology. It's choosing. It's what you choose yeah. to do. And your brain says, okay. That's the most exciting part is the brain doesn't fight it. The brain just says, I believe you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There and you go. Thing, you know, I love that you mentioned the mathematics because I, I love mathematics, the language of mathematics. And mm-hmm. I'd always been told in school, Oh, it's not your thing. You're bad at math. But I decided like I'm a, mid thirties, I'm just going to start learning and, and hire mm-hmm. a teacher to help me. Mm-hmm. And I found that with working with him and the things he would tell me, Oh, you can do this. You're going to be great. At yeah. This. And then I started to actually be like, I'm building this language. And he said, I wish I had students like you, you really get this math language. I'm like, really? It's because yeah. I was in the place of wanting to choose to That's love right. this and to That's say, right. hey, yeah, but you know, I, I love, this has been so fascinating. Stephen. Yeah. I am so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. They have to find out how they can get in touch with you. How can okay, you let me give you my let me give you my email. Yes. My email is Stephen C S T E V E N C at sbcglobal.net. And they can also go to my website, which which is stephenrcampbell.com. Stephenrcampbell.com. S T E V E N R Campbell.com. Or you can buy my book which is Making Your Mind Magnificent, which is on Amazon. Wow. Either a Kindle version or a regular version. Wow. This has been such a magnificent interview. Thank you. Uh, Thank you just you expanded so much. my mind uh, to Good. really start listening and paying attention to what I'm thinking. And Pay attention. Myself. Yeah. And what's so wonderful, the brain doesn't fight you. The brain says, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Uh, Campbell, I just have to thank you again for coming to Savvy Brown. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You betcha. Bye-bye. Take care. If you like this episode, please share. To hear more Savvy episodes and Savvy Biz Tips, go to lifeunscriptedradio.com. To become a guest or participate in paid sponsorship, email us at christinalifeunscriptedradio.com.